This week, the first of a series of episodes on our journey into Baja. We're going to tell you how to cross the border into Mexico, plus an update on mobile internet. There's some big changes happening right now. We're going to tell you all about them. This is the RV Miles Podcast. This spring, L.L. Bean wants to help you feel great out there with gear, tips, and advice for heading outdoors and exploring all the possibilities of this season. Here's a simple tip to help you stick to your goals for the new year. Take a walk outside. In one study, researchers found that just an hour spent walking in nature improved participants' attention spans and memory by 20%. If you're having trouble focusing, some time outside could be the answer. For more fun ideas, easy how-tos, and inspiring stories, visit llbean.com guide. Welcome to episode number 268 of RV Miles. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby. And we are two full-time travelers who, along with our three boys, have been crisscrossing North America on one epic road trip since 2016. Here at RV Miles, we talk all things RV and outdoors, from industry news to travel destinations, our national parks, and so much more. We have left the southernmost point in our journey up the North American coast. We uh, are more than halfway through our trip in Baja. We've got about a week and a half left in Baja. And uh, today on the episode, we're going to share with you uh, the things you need to know about crossing the border into Mexico, what you might want to consider before you do that. There is a lot that we didn't really know about and kind of waited till the last minute to learn about. Uh, so we're going to share what we know, uh, not comprehensive by any means, but some resources to help you find all the comprehensive information. Uh, but first, we want to start by talking about mobile internet. We did a story on the YouTube channel a couple days ago about some changes happening to Starlink satellite internet. And that's got a lot of people thinking about alternatives as well. But in a quick nutshell, <laughs> Starlink has increased the cost of the RV version to $150 a month. The RV version is sort of a deprioritized version. So you get, you get data uh, on a lower priority than the folks on the residential version. For most people, that's not an issue. Uh, we have run into some deprioritization issues on the East Coast mm -hmm. and sort of mildly populated areas. Uh, but for the most part, Starlink works pretty well everywhere uh, that you have access to the sky. And we've had uh, pretty good success with it. The other big piece of that news is that Starlink has removed portability uh, which uh, which was what they uh, allowed residential users to pay a little bit extra for to uh, to move their residential dish around the country. Apparently, they're allowing those that already have portability to keep it, but anybody new or hasn't able enabled it yet uh, is not going to get to keep it. And that that's a problem for a lot of RVers who live in a home and they travel for a couple months out of the year. What a lot of them were doing was turning portability on mm -hmm. when they began to travel for the season. So say, you you know, you travel in the summer, you might have portability turned off right now. And those people are not allowed to turn it back on. They're going to have to convert to the RV service. So that's unfortunate. Um, however, we still think Starlink is uh, sort of the best thing out there for folks like us that need a lot of data and, and 
and needed everywhere, right? Oh, absolutely. In fact, I was just a few minutes ago answering a question in the RV Miles Facebook group from a friend of the show, Emily, and also who is a moderator in the group and who volunteers her time there so kindly. And she was asking, she has a potential for a state park gig, and she was asking about hey, talk to me about portable internet, but don't talk to me about Starlink. And my first thought was, okay, well, you know, you've got this gig in a state park. My first thought was, well, (laughs) Starlink. But then I thought, okay, well, now you have to go through and you have to look. I'm going to the state park. What's the best there? Is it Verizon? Is it AT&T? Is it T-Mobile? What is strongest? And then you have to go through and go, okay, so it's Verizon. So what are my options then with Verizon in order to have the service that I need while I'm there doing, you know, either there for a week or two weeks or three months doing a work camping gig? And what do I need it for? Do I need it for work? Do I need it for school? Am I just looking to stream and check my email and kind of keep connected with people? Okay, you have to answer all of those things. Now, for me, if I was doing this and we need work and we need school and we need to be able to upload and download and we need to be able to have conversations over Zoom and the kids need to be able to get into out school and all of these things. 100% Starlink. I can't imagine at this point. Now, again, you could be like, well, Verizon is, you know, it's just top at the state park. Great. You can begin to look at those options then. But when we started pricing some of this out, because we spent some time this morning as well going and looking at some of the other options that are out there that are really driving it home. They all are very excited about this Starlink announcement. So we're starting to get a lot, you might be seeing it too, a lot of ads in your newsfeed for internet alternatives for nomads. It did not at all shake out to be much different. Yeah. Then Starlink. The pricing on a lot of those mobile plans has really come up, uh, and and it is important to, to you know to sort of look where where you're going and 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 what you're doing and and see what option is best or to have multiple options. We carry uh, we carry three cellular cellular carriers <laughs> with <laughs> yes. us. We have Verizon phones and we have un, unlimited hotspots from AT and T and uh, T Mobile. And Starlink isn't going to work everywhere. No. So if you're work camping at a state park that, for instance, is heavily treed, uh, you're not going to be able to get access to the the northern sky that Starlink needs in order to work. So there are considerations like that. Mm-hmm. And, but I think it's real important, though, for people to understand that a lot of these services that are advertising out there, uh, that that they have a an internet hotspot that is for travelers, uh, that they're all, every single one of them is just a repackaged cellular plan, right? So you're going to get AT&T, T-Mobile, Verizon, and there, there's nothing, there's no magic sauce that makes them better uh, than than the cellular cellular networks already are, except for the fact that they are most of them repackaging unlimited plans that are available or were available that they bought that are grandfathered, uh, often iPad plans uh, that may or may not be against the terms mm-hmm. of service of that cellular <laughs> provider. So often we talk to people that are on one, with one of these companies and they'll say, my internet stopped working and the provider had to send me a new SIM card. Uh, it wasn't that your SIM card stopped working uh, because it was broken. It was that the original carrier, AT&T usually, uh, because AT&T is very much against this, 
uh, AT&T uh, found out that it was being repurposed and cut it off. Yeah. So they send you a new one. So if you go with one of these companies, it can be a good option. It can be one of your only options for unlimited internet if you're not going with Starlink or if you want to have a Starlink alternative. I mm -hmm. think it is important for people to travel a lot to have options. Yeah. You want somebody with good customer service mm -hmm. uh, and you want somebody that you can leave. Uh, so you got to yeah. be careful about the contracts yep. and the upfront fees, and you you got to have you got to be with us for two years uh, before you cancel your plan, or you have to return the device and pay four hundred dollars. That's the stuff to be cautious about. Yeah, and I want to be clear too: we're not also talking about anything that's going to come because we know that a lot of people use FMCA, and mm -hmm. FMCA has a plan that's really affordable. But again, that requires a membership into FMCA. There are probably other organizations out there as well that require memberships. So those are, I think, are a different and a separate conversation. When we're talking about these bigger, anyone can join and they have things listed as memberships, do understand that unlike an FMCA where you're paying for a membership where there are also all these other perks that are all encompassing as an RVer, you are just paying for what they claim to be their administrative fees, for the support they're going to offer you, et cetera. You're, that's yeah. it. You're not paying anything extra. You're just paying what they're they're calling it a membership fee, but you're not you're a not member. Gonna, you're, not anything. Now, you're not a member of anything. <laughs> we like, have uh, recommended in the past, though, a company called Travel Data, uh, and we still travel with a. Uh, they call it their Magenta plan, which uh -huh. means it's on T-Mobile, but they don't say that. But they, <laughs> we travel with their Magenta plan, uh, and we have not needed their customer service or anything. But the reason we like them is similar to the other companies that are out there. Uh, they offer sort of a repackaged cellular internet, but their upfront fee that you pay is for the device, and you get to keep the device. Mm -hmm. So if you don't like them, you can say... I'm done with you. I'm going to put a different SIM card in from a different company and move on. As opposed to the other companies that are like two year contract, uh, yeah. and and but you still also have a four hundred dollar upfront fee. Mm -hmm. So travel data is decent. Another option is T-Mobile, their home internet plan. They now allow you to actually move that around the country, uh, and it's fifty bucks a month. So it's hard to beat that, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, T-Mobile is a little bit limited over AT&T and Verizon. That's why you'll see more of these plans are available on T-Mobile. However, we have found in rural areas where campgrounds often are, yeah. Verizon and AT&T weren't servicing those areas and they sort of swooped in. So sometimes, like I said, we have... AT&T, Verizon, <laughs> we and, and T-Mobile. <laughs> and Starlink. <laughs> Very often, T-Mobile is, is the best one going. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, so... Lots of options out there, but don't get caught into this. This is a magic internet solution that's yeah. just for nomads. It's not a thing. Yeah, and please do try to do your research on all of these. And somewhere we always like to send people to is to the Mobile Internet Resource Center. Go over there, do your research, and figure out what is best for you. Uh, we know what works for us, but again, we need an uh, sort of really embarrassing amount of connectivity in order to do what we're doing right now, which is podcasting and speaking with all of you. So our needs are, are a lot different than most out there who are RVing. So 
head over there. We'll link to it in the show notes in the description. But again, uh, please do your research so that you do not get trapped into some of these long-term contracts that end up not being at all what you want or need them to be. I believe their website is rvmobileinternet.com. Excellent. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about entering Mexico through Baja and uh, all the all the things that we have learned. So that you don't do them. <laughs> we'll be right back. Be right back. Chances are you've seen them on the road. That's because Blue Ox designs and manufactures the best towing products in the industry. Just look around, you'll find them on highways and campgrounds and anywhere you find people traveling in the great outdoors. Award-winning tow bars, base plates, and brakes, a full line of weight distributing hitches, adjustable ball mounts, and a new line of fifth wheel hitches. With Blue Ox, towing doesn't have to be a drag. To learn more about how Blue Ox can make your travel adventures even more stress-free, visit blueox.com. This episode is supported by ParkWolf, the ultimate app for visiting U.S. national parks. With ParkWolf, you can view upcoming places and amenities as you drive through the park, locate the nearest gas, food, bathrooms, and pullover points. ParkWolf's wildlife maps show you the best times and places to see or avoid wildlife along with a feed of the latest wildlife sighting photos from the parks. ParkWolf even makes it possible for you to view your live location and direction on official park maps while staying up to date on current NPS alerts and advisories. ParkWolf keeps working even if you lose service. To learn more, download the ParkWolf app for iPhone free from the Apple App Store today. All right, welcome back to the show. We're going to talk really quick about our experience crossing the border into Baja and some of the things that we learned and a few tips that we can share. Before we get into this, we do really want to preface that it's important that you go. Some of this information we're going to share could be time sensitive. So please make sure you're vetting all of this yourself before you make this journey. And also know that this was just our experience and we're going to share what we know, but we are by no means experts. And it's very, very important that you do as much research as you can. Uh, and this episode being one of them. Uh, because there were a few times where uh, we didn't and we felt silly. So let's dive into it and let's, I think, start at the very, very beginning. And that sure. is where we entered. And so we entered at the Mexicali East border, which does seem to be a really popular crossing for a lot of our veers. Uh, in order to prepare for that, because we didn't know how long it would take to get in. Would there be several uh, rigs in front of us or several cars in front of us? We decided to leave kind of a day early and go and stage uh, at a Walmart about 30 miles from Mexicali East. We went to Brawley, California for us because we were coming from Palm Springs. That made the most sense to take that route. And we staged there at a Walmart that had uh, very important had a Starbucks in the parking <laughs> lot so that we could get coffee. But also being a Walmart, you sort of can get some last minute things yeah. that you need. And we did, you know, uh, non-perishable. We got last minute things and we'll talk about this in a second that we knew we could cross the border with. So we were able to do that at the Walmart. Then we were able to get up very early because we wanted to get to the border early so that we gave ourselves plenty of time to get through. Uh, so it was nice to have that Starbucks, go over there, get the coffee and get going. A couple other options, uh, and it didn't work out for us because they didn't have availability, 
But if you are a Harvest Hosts member, there are several Harvest Hosts in and around the border that can be somewhat close to if you want to cross into Mexicali uh, or if you're thinking about crossing in through Tijuana. Uh, we prefer and recommend Mexicali East. Um, there are some Harvest Hosts locations around there. So you can take advantage of that as well. We were looking in Brawley specifically. There was an olive farm. They just didn't happen to have availability that night. So the nice alternative was this Walmart. One of the reasons we we chose Mexicali East and we were told that this is a good option is that the traffic would be light even and that's why it's popular with RVers is there's less regular traffic going through there. Yeah, that's what Jamie told us. So yeah. our Jamie's <laughs> let's I think we should be clear too that Jamie's a lot did of all the I yeah. almost was like Jamie should come on the podcast and talk about this cuz she was really the guide to all of this and uh we couldn't have done half of what we did without her research and knowledge and so i, I kind of wish she was standing where i'm standing today but it was a sunday morning and there was no wait uh the only nope. the only person in front of us was was jamie and clay the uh the people coming into the u.s that was very very backed up there yes uh, that sunday morning uh but we had nobody the only thing slowing us down was the many many speed bumps to get in <laughs> into <laughs> mexico there were they, so many in general, they love their speed bumps in Mexico. There's so not a lot of cops like with radar guns on the roads. There's just speed bumps everywhere. And they will do damage <laughs> real quick. Some of them marked, some of them not. Yeah. Sometimes they're marked and there's not a speed bump. Sometimes there's a big yellow line that looks like a speed bump, but it's not. It's not. It's, it's, it, sometimes there's a pothole. They <laughs> just, like to keep you on your toes. So, but but it, it, was, it was a great place to cross. Yeah, it was really easy. Um you know, one of the things I think from start to finish when it became our turn to uh, meet with Border Patrol was I think it took about 30 minutes total from start to finish for us to go through. Uh, I'm going to let you speak about like exactly what they did just because you were with them. I was in the truck with the yeah, kids. So they, they did do a search of the RV and we've actually had the RV searched a couple times down here because you will mm -hmm. go through some military checkpoints all throughout Baja. But uh, they did do a, uh, a fairly thorough but random search. So they didn't check like every single cabinet. They checked particular cabinets that they, they wanted to. Uh, they looked in things like coffee cans and, and uh, uh, in, into the fridge. And uh, I, I, you know, I think you get the sense that primarily they're looking for drugs and guns. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, uh, and, and there probably were a few food items that we weren't supposed to have that they just kind of glossed over. Uh, but in general, they, you know, they just did a thorough search. They asked a couple questions. They they really don't speak much English at all, uh, un poco. Uh, but uh, it, it wasn't a big deal uh, in general. One thing you do want to make sure is that you go back and check that all your cabinets are yeah. shut and <laughs> yes. latched uh, after they've searched them because then you get on the road and the cabinet door wasn't shut all the way Yikes. and things start to fall off. Yeah, it but, wasn't good. But this might be a good time to talk about what you're allowed to bring into Mexico, though. Yeah, um, and you're going to get some varying uh, like bits of information on this. Yeah. And so we just want to recommend two websites to go and check out. One of them is Baja Bound. We're going to reference that quite a bit during this discussion. So you're going to want to go over to BajaBound.com and then also uh, go to the Mexican government's website and try, you know, sift through that. It can be a little difficult, um, especially if your Spanish isn't, you know, 
fantastic, but they also have some English options in there as well. And you can have Google translate it for you. Absolutely. Um, But really the biggest thing is um, grains and meats. And fruit and vegetables. And fruits and vegetables. So those are really, really important. And this isn't... Sorry. No, go ahead. Anything pre-packaged and sealed, like canned food, uh, pre-made frozen foods that don't contain, you know, primarily meat are fine. So say you had like a, a, a frozen, uh, I, I don't know, like noodle, veggie, mm-hmm. chicken mixture. Yeah. That would probably be fine. But like if you had a bag of frozen meatballs, like they specifically say no. Um, so there's a whole list and it's very detailed of which kinds of which different things. In general, you just want to, not have much fresh food when you come in and just plan to go to a grocery store after you cross, which is what we did, right? Which is what we did. And this is really important because we're going to talk about, you know, things to remember when you go to research this information, you're going to come across information that is going to say, well, they didn't notice. So go and do it. To us, it's not about whether or not they notice or not. It's about being good stewards and respecting the wishes of the country that we're traveling into, just like we try to respect the wishes of a city that we're going into or a state that we're going into. So if you know these things shouldn't be coming with you, just please do your very, very best not to bring them. Um, You know, one of the questions that it wasn't asked of us, which was funny, but it was asked of our traveling friends is, do you have a drone? Yeah, so Americans are not allowed to fly drones in in Mexico. Mexican citizens can get a permit to fly them, but Americans are not. And so they were asked about a drone. We were not. <laughs> we were um, not, even though we had camera equipment everywhere. <laughs> they were not asked about their uh, uh, spare gasoline cans, but they did pick up our ga- our spare can and shake it. You're not allowed to bring spare fuel in, mm-hmm. uh, so it has to be in your your tanks. Uh, there there are limits on like the amount of cameras that you can bring in. It's uh-huh. like two per person. And in other electronics, um, it's a generally about uh, not bringing a lot of consumer goods that you could sell in. So be careful about like stuff that look, is, is still in the package and that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. And just because they didn't ask us about it at Mexicali East regarding the camera equipment does not mean that we were not asked about it. Later on at a military checkpoint, we were asked mm-hmm. about some of the devices that we had and how many of them did we have. So don't think that like, oh, I got my drone in across the border. <laughs> yeah, so you can have it sitting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you probably, as we have seen, and this is no shade, everyone's going to do what they feel is best for them to do. But know that if you're seeing drone shots coming from your American friends, they're not supposed to be doing that here. Like they're making the decision to do it but it shouldn't be done like that. That is not something, you know, if there happened to be somebody around, that is a very, very expensive fine. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know what the fine is, but I don't want to, I don't want uh, my drone taken away. I don't want the fine and I yeah. don't want to sit a night in a Mexican jail. No. So well, I remember, I don't have it on me. I do remember looking it up cause I was curious and I was like, Oh, Oh yeah, we yeah. don't want to pay that. <laughs> that's that's not worth it for the drone shot. So those are some things to consider when you're coming in. Uh, once uh, two things 
that you can do ahead of time that you need to do ahead of time. We did do one of them ahead of time about 16 hours before we needed to leave. Uh, The other one we did when we crossed is you are going to want some form of insurance. Okay. So you need to have uh, insurance to cross into Mexico. The insurance that you carry for your rig and your trailer in the States is not going to suffice. You are going to need some form of insurance. Now, uh, the cost of that is where Baja gets tricky. Yeah, it, it, it cost us about 1100 bucks for a month. It's actually, the insurance we got is actually good for a, a year. Uh, but after you after so many days, it, it's just cheaper to get the year mm-hmm. insurance. But it, it is one of the things that is not cheaper in Mexico. Uh, and you can't you can go through like we have progressive for the RV um, and the truck and you can go through progressives website, but it still spits you out to another company. Yeah. So you really do need a company that specified that that is specifically uh, set up for this. And we used Baja Bound, which is a great website with a lot of resources, but it's also a place that you can get insurance. Uh, and it does include some additional things like emergency evacuation stuff, but vehicle insurance is very, very serious in Mexico. You do not want to be caught without having vehicle insurance down here, or you could spend a night in one of those Mexican jails. <laughs> yes. You don't want to do that. It's it's very, uh, it, the, the, the laws are even more strict than in, in the States and you want to have good insurance. So we mm-hmm. were told by many people, don't just get the liability, uh, make sure you get the full coverage and full coverage that pays uh, American labor rates. So uh-huh. obviously if you have damage done to your RV and you want to have it fixed, you're probably going to have it fixed once you get back into the US you uh, or your truck or mm-hmm. your motorhome, whatever, you you don't want it to just pay the, the Mexican labor rates. Uh, but also in Mexico, if you hit somebody and you, you know, disable them, you're responsible or your sh- insurance is for like many, many years of their uh, of what they would have made working in the labor market. Mm-hmm. Right. So you want to have your insurance covering that. Uh, you don't want to be paying that yourself, obviously. Yeah. And the cost of your insurance will vary depending on the type of uh, rig you have and the value of it, the value of it and the value of your truck or your tow vehicle that you're bringing into the country. All of that is going to vary again we took the we took the max of the max. We're not here to play around with anything. We wanted to make sure that we were totally covered and that this didn't turn into an adventure that would be real sad real quick. Well, and, and let me compare too. Like if we just went with liability coverage, mm-hmm. it still would have cost us like seven hundred dollars. Yeah. And if we didn't max out, if, if we went full coverage but didn't max out all of the payouts, it still would have been like nine hundred and eighty dollars. So yeah. eleven hundred dollars, it was worth the it's, peace of mind. It's a big cost up front, but it's absolutely worth it. Another thing that you're going to want to get, and you can do this online prior to coming into the country, we. Kind of forgot about it and ended up doing it after we had gone through our border inspection is it's called F it's an FMM, which means forma migratoria multiple, which essentially translates to a multiple immigration form. And I'm just going to read this here. It says an FMM is a type of visa exclusive to tourists who come to Mexico from either the Northern or Southern border. It's good for about 180 days and it costs $37 a person. It can't be done online. However, like I said, 
we kind of forgot about it. So we ended up having to do ours uh, during our border crossing. And it was. It cost about $37 for each one of us. Uh, it was pretty quick and easy. Jason went in and did it, filled yeah. it all out for uh, You need your passport. Obviously, we should state that. Don't come here if you don't have a passport. You're not going to get in. Yeah, you need to have a passport. You, you, passport <laughs> like, or a passport card. <laughs> yeah. You can use the passport card. It's the only reason to get the passport card is it's a little cheaper. <laughs> Children can technically cross with their parents with just a birth certificate. Yes, they can. But it's easier if you just have the the passport. Uh, it, it is important, too, to also know if you are crossing the border with your kids and both parents aren't there, you need to have a letter from the other parent allowing that that crossing. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, say you're divorced or for whatever reason, one parent just isn't coming along. Uh, it's imp- they, they won't let you in if you, if you don't have proof that the other parent is allowing you to cross the border. But they they didn't actually look at our passports until we went into the office to fill out mm-hmm. the FMM. So after they did the border, after they did the walkthrough and inspection, they had us pull off to a, a side area. And then you walk up and go into the office and a, a very grumpy lady uh, <laughs> spent some time filling out these forms with us. They're very she, short forms. She did not want to be at work on that Sunday morning. <laughs> the form wants to know where you're going and... Uh, uh, and uh, how long you're going to be in the country, and that's pretty much it. And the, the names of the mm-hmm. individual people, and you just you take you take the stub from that form, tuck it in your passport, and keep it in your passport at all times. Make if you're towing an RV uh, with a with a truck, and you're going to have the truck separate from the RV. Often, just keep your passports in your truck. Yeah. You just want to make sure you always have your passports there and ready with you. Yeah. So that was our experience crossing in afterwards we went into mexicali we went to a supermercado we got some groceries we got some pesos and then we were on our way we want to end this with a few tips a few suggestions uh, especially when it comes to the border crossing and to military checkpoints these were things that were shared with us passed down from us from others who have been coming down to baja for years so we appreciated kind of um this little insider's knowledge, I guess. And two of the big things or three of the big things really that were shared with us is if you don't speak fluent Spanish, don't try. Just just speak English. With the with the border with crossing. With the border crossing. Guards, with, the, yes. with the border crossing with other guards. People, and when you, you can meet try. <laughs> and when you meet the National Guard, when yeah. you come to the military yeah. checkpoints. Don't try to speak Spanish if you are not fluent in it. If you are wearing your sunglasses, take your sunglasses off. Just let them be able to like see your eyes and talk to you and turn down any music you have going on in your car at that time or maybe the RV Miles podcast or whatever that may be and just give them your full attention. Give them your respect and everything is super chill and it has been really super chill. Don't have your GoPros or cameras no, pointed at do them. do not film. Do not film it, them. It, it's a, you know, it, I think for a lot of Americans when, when, in, in America, you know, obviously we have... Our, our rights to, you know, do what we're allowed to do. Like, you you know, you certainly might have a camera on an officer at a mm-hmm. border crossing in the U.S. if you're a U.S. citizen. But once you cross into another country, you're a guest in that country. And I think it's really important for you to just, you know, be respectful. And also, yeah. it's probably a smart thing to do. Yeah, it's <laughs> just not, it's not worth the content. Yeah. You won't see any content from us that features us actively in the middle of a military checkpoint or during our border crossings. Uh, a few other things too, once you actually cross in, have a couple of 
stops planned for the night and different locations along the route that you're headed because you don't know how long it could take. For us, it was really quick. We were in, I think we were done and on the road by like 9 a.m. over to the grocery store, boom, on the road. Of course, we ended up getting a flat tire that day. So that actually slowed down our progress. But do have a few places in mind that you can stop at should you take longer or, you know, just you want to stop and off at a pull off and have some lunch or whatever that be. Uh, Because it's really important too, and this was also shared with us, uh, there's absolutely no need and you should not drive at night. Be off the road before night. Um, And you do want to spend some time in Mexicali or whatever city that you cross at to mm-hmm. to go to the grocery store, get the stuff you, you need to go fuel up, f- uh, fill your extra fuel cans. Enjoy the guy juggling with fire. <laughs> fire in the middle of the in road. In the middle of the road on a ladder. And I mean, it, it, it's also really important to get pesos out. Uh, immediately. Immediately because uh, it, it is a, more of a cash society down here yes. than it is in the U.S. There are lots of places where it is cash only. And uh, f- at least from Mexicali, it is a long way uh, before another ATM available, uh, before uh, another fuel station, all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. So it is important to get yeah. that done right away. And we ended up uh, our first night uh, in Baja. We stayed at a Harvest Host. There was the San Felipe Winery. That's where we ended up going after we lost some time due to the uh, flat tire that we experienced. But that was a really lovely introduction to Baja. We met some uh, wonderful people at that winery that are running it that uh, we were able to chat with and just enjoy an evening of Italian food. In Mexico. In Mexico. That felt really on brand for us. So, all right. That is it. That is just a little snippet of actually what was really the first 48 hours of us uh, experiencing and getting into Baja. If you have any questions for us or you have some tips that you would like to share, of course, we would love to hear them. You can leave them if you're watching this on YouTube. Please leave them down in the comment section. If you're listening to this and you are a member of the RV Miles Facebook group, and hopefully you are, please go over there and share your thoughts with us because we would absolutely love to hear what you have to say. All right, we're going to take a break and when we come back, we'll have our Fresh Tank Black Tank segment. Be right back. On every road trip, there are moments you wish could last forever. Your kids running into the ocean for the first time, that perfect campsite with views that amaze and surprise, a hike through Sarah's Crack, moments you spend time planning and you wish would never end. But like all good adventures, they do. But you know what doesn't have to end? Your RoadPass Pro membership you used to plan that memory-making vacation. Grab your RoadPass Pro membership today and lock in the $49.99 price for life. Featuring some of our favorite trip planning sites like Campendium and Road Trippers and the Togo app for checklists, RoadPass Pro will help you create an amazing RV adventure. Save $10 off your first year with code RVMILES10X and lock in the renewal rate of $49.99 for life. RoadPass Pro is going up in the new year, so if you've been on the fence, now is the time to join and save. Just click the link in the description and use code RVMILES10X to save $10 off your first year of RoadPass Pro. There are dozens of RV tank treatments on the market, but what do they actually do other than just cover up the smell? Our friend Matt from Matt's RV Reviews on YouTube tested them all and wasn't happy. So he worked with the folks at Century Chemical to make his new awesome black tank treatment. 
It's called liquefied RV toilet treatment, and it's the newest and best black tank chemical in the RV industry. It's called liquefied because they use a special blend of enzymes that will break down your waste and toilet paper while it sits in your black tank for easy dumping. And all you notice is a soft scent of orange. You can get liquefied RV toilet treatment exclusively on Amazon. And if you're a fan of Matt's RV reviews on YouTube, he only asks that you think of him, whether you're on the plastic or the porcelain. Again, it's liquefied RV black tank treatment. Learn more at liquefied RV. Com. We are back and it is time to check the level of our tanks. Jason, what is in your black tank this week? Uh, I, a dog stole my sandal. <laughs> what are the things that, like that is, nicest it, dog ever. It is the nicest <laughs> dog ever? But one of the things that you will experience in Baja is that there are stray dogs everywhere. Uh, everywhere on every you know on every beach at every campground, we will stop in the middle of the road in order to let stray dogs uh, cross. We have not run across the aggressive ones. They're no. all fairly nice. They come up to you often though, and you know they might be wanting scraps or whatever. But you know, be careful about that if you have a mm -hmm. pet as oh, well. Yes. But I as I was cooking on our griddle outside last night, and I think a a, a few drops of grease landed on <laughs> one of my flip flops. And I came back out later to find it missing. It was gone. <laughs> Jamie and Clay found it this morning yes. on their morning walk, and it doesn't, doesn't look so hot. It doesn't really look yeah. like it survived the evening. Is, <laughs> I'm not sure you'll be wearing that. <laughs> All right, what is in your fresh tank this week? Uh, my fresh tank is, so you mentioned the flat tire, and I think that was my black tank last week or mm -hmm. the week before, something like that. Uh, I finally got the flat tire fixed. I patched it myself. The patch didn't hold because I had the dirt cheapest patches ever anyway the patch didn't uh hold i should say the plug didn't hold I, yeah i plugged it myself so i went to get a plug and patch done which is a sort sort of more a permanent repair uh and there are tire shops everywhere in a town like if there's lots of distances without towns here but where there are towns there are lots of tire shops so we're in uh ciudad constitution here and you, you can throw a stone and it'll hit a tire shop. <laughs> yeah. So I, I stopped to have that, that tire for the Ibex fix so I can put the spare back on the back uh, because the tire, the, the full size tires rim doesn't fit on the spare rack on the back. So it is had to ride in the back of the truck. It's a whole thing. It's a thing. So I finally got it fixed. Uh, and you do want to, you know, you, you want to prepare. It's very possible to get a flat tire down here and there are long distances. Uh, the, the fresh tank part of this is, the cost of having a a, a plug-in patch done at this tire shop, it costs 70 pesos, which is basically four bucks. Yeah, I, 100 pesos is roughly somewhere around $5.30, I think is what the exchange rate is right now. So, yeah. You yeah, so it's pay, less than four yeah, bucks, essentially. it's less than $4. Yeah, it's super dirt cheap. Not everything's dirt cheap down no, here. No, 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 Some no. of the camping is, you know, more than you would expect to pay for no hookups. Uh, the fuel is about the same as it is in, in the U.S., uh, but some things are cheaper like that. Yeah, and I think that that'll probably be a future discussion on the podcast, and that is really what is the cost of coming here? And, you know, because there is a lot out there that it's, oh, it's such an inexpensive way to spend your winter. Yeah. And 
perhaps it, it can be one of those things that yeah <laughs> but i think that'll be once we get out of here and yeah. we've kind of been able to take a look at you know yeah. i mean again you get sucked into these like beachfront restaurants and bars right there at your campsite yeah. and you're just like oh i'm just gonna yeah. go have a pina colada because yeah. that looks and real that, good that pina colada might be big and it might be five bucks but it's not you know the 10 bucks you might pay in the <laughs> states but it's still not like it's not like two bucks no it's not it's not the, the rumors are somewhat not true somewhat exaggerated uh, <laughs> all right abby what is it your black tank this week all right so i am in my black tank this week i'm black tanking me you know sometimes i get a lot of grief that i give you a hard time about you know some of your unique uh ways that you go about life like mm. you know your mm. tours of the er's mm-hmm. and yes, things my, like that and i want to i want to make it clear klutzy accidents uh, yes. that happen every now and then yeah, little mistakes I, the things i lose every now and then little mistakes every i make now and then. did somebody like, make a pretty big mistake the other day <laughs> yes and i'm about yeah, okay. to tell it I now to i had my it. first uh big mistake of 2023 um so, <laughs> <laughs> so the other morning I get up. I've had two really silly things I've done recently. I get up and I'm like, oh, I'm going to make some coffee because I make the coffee in the morning. Jason makes smoothies. So I'm going to make some coffee and I'm going to use um, our brew track, the the base camp, or not the base camp one, but their smaller, uh, more portable backpacking one, which has its French press. And y'all have probably seen our brew tracks before, but uh, we'll link to this particular one in the show notes. And the base of it can screw off, right? So you plunge it down just like you would a normal French press. But when you go to clean it, you screw the base off and it's a little bit easier to clean. So I had cleaned all of that the night before and I go and I'm making the coffee and the, the kettle starts to boil and I've put my coffee into the brew track and I pour about, I start pouring the water in about halfway in and I realize as it's sitting there on the counter and I'm pouring water into it, I realize that I have not screwed the base onto this. So I am essentially pouring scalding hot water onto coffee grounds that are sitting on my counter being somewhat contained by the main body just, of just this a, brew truck. Just a cylinder with an imp- a big a opening. Just a cylinder. Opening just, on no big counter. deal. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. So I'm sitting there and I start going, <laughs> I'm just like, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh, and Jason's like, what, what, what? Because he's in bed. And he comes over and, and I'm this like, is what happens when Abby's like, when something like this is going on and Abby's like, oh my God, I, what do I, I do? What do I do? Words. When, I don't when have I words. say what, 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 she doesn't respond. She there's just no, keeps saying, oh my God, no oh my God. <laughs> you, I need you to use your eyes and look at what's happening at, to me in that moment. And I'm like, there's no base. There's no base. So he gets, he comes over out of bed and he is, we're sitting there and I'm trying at this point, I, you know, if you're watching, you can see as I'm trying to do my motions here i'm trying with paper towels to sort of like contain what's seeping and i'm thinking i don't know i don't know what to do there's too big of a lip to push this towards the sink uh what am i gonna do what am i gonna do and jason's like grab a bowl grab a bowl so and we're gonna push it the other way towards the end of the counter and we're gonna let all the water and the coffee splash down into this bowl well i grab like <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't have mattered anyway, but I did grab just a cereal bowl. Yeah, a, a, and, like a mixing bowl would have been a little <laughs> yeah, more maybe. useful. Yeah. So I put the cereal bowl and I'm holding it and I'm like, okay, go, go, go. It's like, it's not even 7 a.m. at this point. He slides it towards me. It all splashes down, scalding hot water, spl- like splashes up out of the bowl all over me. Oh, hi, doggy. Don't eat our camera equipment. Come over here, please. Um, <laughs> hi, puppy. Um, 
splashes all, sorry, the dog is here. Hot water all over my hand. I drop the bowl. The bowl of hot water and coffee grounds splays everywhere onto the cabinet. I had the cabinet door open. That's uh, where all the cups and plates are. It goes all in there. It goes everywhere. It was such a mess. And I had such a burn on my hand. And I felt so silly because it was just I was so lost in thought on something else as I was making coffee I wasn't paying attention that's that was the first one a few days ago I'm trying Henry just wants a pizza so bad and for whatever strange reason you know we can't use the convection microwave in here when we're not hooked well, up. there's a good reason is that they don't want know, people but- with just a basic battery destroy sure, your battery but like but, you have this 2000 watt inverter and you know it's yeah. whatever so he he desperately wanted this little frozen pizza that we had and i thought okay i'm gonna see if i can i'm gonna see if i can do this in a pan i'm gonna I'm, i've already figured out how to do the frozen chicken nuggets a few other things i'm gonna figure out how to make a pizza on the stove in the pan so i put it in a pan and i'm like but you know what i really need to cover it because it does need to steam a little bit in order to cook the top i'm like talking i think you're outside i'm talking to y'all out there and I'm like, oh, here's our here's a our plastic chopping block. Okay, I'm gonna just plop that down on top of the the skillet while this is cooking. That's great. It'll create a steam. And I'm doing my thing. And all of a sudden I'm like, what <laughs> is that smell? And then I was like, oh my gosh, I put a plastic chopping block on top of a hot skillet. And I just I grab it and it's like it has melted so much that it had made like a perfect ring and it just was stringy rubber like coming off of the skillet. Like just, and I <laughs> I just was like, what am I doing? Like I shouldn't be allowed to do I, anything you know, right look, now. To, not, to, not to get you off the hook, but I, I think a lot of people have a story about ditching their, <laughs> uh, their, their, plastic or pvc <laughs> chopping block in their oven and preheating the oven with it in there oh, or something I'm like sure, that and this was such a <laughs> I, I just thought oh, i need something and I, we don't have any lids for these i need something and i just grabbed that and i plunked it down there and thankfully the skillet cleaned up fine because once it cooled that you know that rubber that yeah. pvc just like hardened and i was able to just just peel it right peel off it right off uh but so black tank to me for whatever reason i've been really super distracted over the last week with just a lot of things on my mind and that is keeping me from making good decisions in the kitchen all right what's in your fresh tank uh my fresh tank just really quick goes to the tortillas in baja whole girl gave up glute like i stopped being gluten-free just so i could eat these tortillas because they are i can't describe them but we will be buying copious amounts of them in hopes, I gotta check. Hopefully, we can take them back across the border. They are, they they're they're unlike anything you're gonna get at the grocery store in the states. Okay, like they're you know you're just gonna have to accept they're like, that they're like slightly it's, undercooked compared but, compared to what we would have in the states. They're like it's almost like they're half cooked. But they're also not gonna be that fluffy. Um, you know, I think sometimes yeah. some, uh, especially name brand, uh, national brand tortillas, their, their names are escaping me almost don't necessarily take on a bread-like texture, but they're just like really super soft and like a 
billowy cloud. Yeah. It doesn't really. These are slightly undercooked. It's and almost like when you like, do cook them, they are just you just want to eat them by themselves. It's They're almost so like good. flour tortillas with kind of the texture of a corn tortilla, but not uh, it's that, all that lard. Not that rough. It's I, all the lard. Good. It's one hundred percent the lard. Now that said. They are a hundred times better if you can buy them in a small little no-name market in some... Yeah, usually they make them right in the market. Yeah, do not. So in La Paz, which is where we just left, I went to a Walmart. Mm -mm. Mm. Don't go anywhere where they're like catering to the American buyer. Like go buy your tortillas from like a legit little market or even better, just like right off the side of the road, because I'm telling you, I we all, I just, I'm going to eat some when I go in after we're done filming this. I already know what I'm having for lunch today. Quesadilla, tortillas. <laughs> all right, that's it for this week's episode of the RV Miles podcast. Yes, it is. And hey, if you are enjoying this and you are excited for Baja to Alaska and you would like to help support this small business, please consider becoming a Mile Marker member. You can do that on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, all of which will be linked in the show notes or in the description for this video. It's $4.99 a month to support RV Miles and your support really does go towards not just, you know, Jason and I buying coffee or whatever. It goes back into RV Miles. We hire staff. We enhance the content we're creating. We make new content. We're improving our website. All of these things in hopes of keeping you the RV enthusiasts informed and hopefully as well entertained. So if you are wanting to become a mile marker member, one of the ways we say thank you to those who are members is by going live with all of you once a month for a very fun hour long Q and a, which in March will be the first Monday of every month. And that will take place back in the States. We'll be in San Diego uh, at a very posh <laughs> <laughs> RV resort getting all of the amenities after five weeks of a lot of boondocking. So if you would like to become a Mile Marker member and support our small business, we thank you. And of course, we thank you uh, just for being here and believing in RV Miles and making this possible for us. All right. That's it for this week. If you're headed to Amazon, just go to amazon.com slash shop slash RV Miles. Take us with you. We appreciate it. Until next week, stay safe Go find some good tortillas and keep logging those RV miles. Or kilometers. Or kilometers. See you next time. Bye.